Welcome to the Marietta Daily Journal podcast. I'm Dan Ratcliffe. During the week, you'll get the local news for Marietta, Kennesaw, Smyrna, and all of Cobb County right here. And on Sundays, like today, you'll find the Cobb Life Sunday podcast, where we talk to newsmakers, local celebrities, and people making a difference right here in our community. From the Drake Realty Studio, welcome to Cobb Life, proudly sponsored by the Marietta Daily Journal. I'm your host, Keith Ippolito, representing the BG Ad Group. And a special thanks to our show sponsor, Credit Union of Georgia, for their unwavering support. Today's episode is a twofer. Personally, I had the chance to chat with Robbie Heisner, the influential producer and writer for the band Atomic Freak. Following that, I had a fascinating chat with Joshua Trower, the education program coordinator at the Southern Museum of Civil and Locomotive History. Robbie's life story is a compelling mix of diverse talents, challenges, and unwavering spirit of resilience and creativity. Beginning his career as a magician, Robbie mesmerized audiences with his illusions and levitations. He then transitioned into the music scene with his band The Cops, known for their unique police-themed approach. Despite dealing with muscular dystrophy, Robbie formed the Van Gogh Band, undertaking an extraordinary journey that saw him perform at events around the country and collaborate on projects with the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation. After stepping down from music for some time, Robbie is back with his new band Atomic Freak. Their debut album, Nuclear Meltdown, is a fiery blend of heavy guitar-based rock and roll that plays tribute to the golden era hard rock, fortified with fresh enigmatic energy. The mysterious origins of Atomic Freak have intrigued fans and critics alike, sparking curiosity and speculation. Following my chat with Robbie, Joshua will join me to discuss one of the largest model railroading events in the Southeast. With over 20 different model railroads from three states, Joshua also gives us a sneak peek into the museum's history and the renowned great locomotive chase. So settle in, take a moment to unwind, it's Sunday after all, and journey with us as we explore the heart and soul of Cobb Life. Welcome to Cobb Life. I love technology as much as anybody, but when banks replace people with machines, I had to draw a line. I've been with the same bank for 20 plus years, and as cool as technology is, I believe the relationship you have with your bank is an important one. My wife used to bake cookies for the people who worked at our bank, and they were our friends. But in the last couple of years, they were all replaced by video tellers. Recently, I sold a vehicle and was paid in cash. I went to deposit it and was told my now former bank no longer accepts cash. Okay. That was it for me. I joined Credit Union of Georgia, a homegrown, not-for-profit cooperative that still offers personalized customer service, a network of more than 30,000 ATMs, and convenient locations. Innovation is great, but trust and relationships still matter, particularly where it comes to your finances. Make the switch today. Get more info at cuofga.org. Credit Union of Georgia, the better way to bank. And we're back with more Cobb Life. And welcome back to Cobb Life. I'm Keith Ippolito, and I am with Rob Heisner. Uh, Rob, how are you doing today, man? Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. Doing great. Could be warmer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you ain't wrong there, man. Jeez. <laughs> All right, so a uh, quick bio about you. Um, you know, I, I saw you were featured in a recent MDJ article talking about you know, your musical career, I mean, I mean, not just musical, reading your background, you seem like you're a renaissance man. But before I get into all of that, I kind of want to get into, you know, your earlier years and dealing with the muscular dystrophy. And, you know, I guess take us back to your beginning. You're originally from Panama City, correct? Right. Born and raised in Panama City and 
growing up, I can remember my earliest memory of how I knew I wanted to do something in entertainment is in elementary school, every chance I got, I would go to the cafeteria and I would go to the stage and clean up and arrange everything backstage and fix their lights and all that kind of stuff so it looked like a presentable stage. (laughs) And so I don't know, I was always drawn and I'm as happy being behind the scenes as I am being on stage performing. And what at what age was this? Wow, this is elementary school, so this is probably fourth and fifth grade. Okay, so that so it started started real real young for you. Yeah, and then when I got a little bit older, maybe ten, twelve, somewhere there, I wanted to play guitar. You know, everybody wanted to play guitar because of the Beatles, and I took some guitar lessons. I took a guitar lesson, and. All I learned how to do was to tune my guitar, and the teacher would drive me crazy because he would noodle playing his guitar all fancy while I'm trying to learn a chord, and it drove me crazy. So I quit going and taught myself. Really? And my older brother that's also got muscular me, Rick, Ricky, ended up taking my guitar and teaching himself also. And then our younger brother, Jamie, is a drummer. Okay, so you guys have a very creative musical background, the ge- uh, genes in your family. Our first band was me, my two brothers, and our cousin Curtis, Okay, all there in Panama City. And we started about 1979, and then 1981, I think it was, mm-hmm. we put out our first single. Used to pack them in back in the day. And, you know, it's, it's kind of easy to be famous in your own backyard, you know. <laughs> Well, but, uh, I, I was reading your bio, and um, it said in your earlier days that uh, you guys rented out, you know, basically an old facility because you were, weren't were uh, old enough to go to yeah. clubs or whatever. Yeah. Tell, tell me a little bit about that. That sounds pretty cool. The other local bands were able to play the bars and stuff, and I found a recording studio that had gone out of business, and the inside of the studio looked like a gym. You know, it was just all, a great big open room and i talked to the guy into letting us lease it and what what and, age was this oh man this is 1981 i think okay so still so still about, still about 18 okay so still or senior in high school or just finishing yeah, high school basically yeah, yeah and he took a chance you know and he let us rent it so we started putting on shows there every weekend we would let in capacity we'd charge them a door fee we used, we used to get a keg to keep them happy until we took the stage, you know. Yeah, yeah, of uh, course. And then we would lock the doors and play three or four hours into the night and then let them go. You know, it, it really did mostly all original uh, okay. from, the, from the very beginning. It's really, it grew from there and we finally got to where we felt like we needed to achieve bigger things. We needed to go to a bigger city. Gotcha, gotcha. And so we we came to Atlanta in '84. The whole band moved up here. Okay, and this is the uh, the cops, correct? Right, right before we heard of the police, uh-huh. we had already we had already been called the cops with a K K O P P S. And a funny story is that when we thought of the cops in 1979, 78, somewhere there, I went to the Jacksonville Police Department. 
because I lived there with my mother for a year and Ricky was there. And so I went and talked to the chief of the Jacksonville Police Department and got them to give me police uniforms. Oh, wow. <laughs> and and the uh, patches and everything. So their patch says Office of Sheriff Jacksonville Police. And so we had the threads pulled out mm-hmm. and re-embroidered where it said Office of Music Jacksonville Cops. Oh, that's pretty cool. And so that was kind of our thing. We would wear these uniforms and, you know, because cops have leather jackets and boots and cool stuff and badges, you know, so it was all right up our alley. So that was the earliest showing that I liked something a little flashy or something going on. So how many years were the cops together? How long were you guys playing or how many years? 79 until 86, I think. Uh, we moved to Atlanta, and we said, "Oh my God, we're really not that good." You oh, know, when really? we, we we saw bands like the Swinging Richards and all the hot bands at the time, and so we for a year we rehearsed and really, really got better. And then the band morphed into we changed the name to Blitz. So and you so, so you a, changed a, a new band once you moved to Atlanta or a new name. Yeah, and a couple of the guys stayed the same; the others changed. And so we got blitzed together and put out a couple of cassettes. And that and was, we, was that the same style as the cops or was it totally? A little, little bit heavier. Okay. A little bit flashier. Kind of hard to describe. We did that, that we ended up selling out the uh, Cobb Civic Center and the Roxy. Oh, wow. And, and then we played Dragon Con. We were the featured act for two years. Oh, wow. In the early days of Dragon Con. And at one of them, and your winner joined us on stage. Oh, wow. Very and cool. At, at the other one, guy from Bullister Colt joined us on stage. Oh, wow, man. That's pretty awesome. Uh, it was really cool. We'll be right back with more Cobb Life after the break. It pays to know your doctor. It pays to know your lawyer. And now more than ever, it pays to know your local real estate professional. Hi, I'm Jeffrey Drake with Drake Realty, and we have seven offices in the metro Atlanta area, including two right here in Cobb County and one at Lake Oconee. I'm the proud leader of over 700 agents here in Georgia, and we pride ourselves in professional service, whether you are the buyer or the seller. Drake Realty makes the home buying process seamless from contract to close. Our agents are a little different. They're not pushing for the quick sale and close. They are pushing for the best price and terms for their client. In other words, Drake Realty fights for you. Now's the time to buy that dream home, vacation home, or new home your family deserves. A lot of real estate agents talk big. Let my team at Drake Realty prove they will fight for you. I'm Jeffrey Drake, and I'd be honored to have my team serve you. Visit us online at drakerealty.com. And remember, it's not how quick you sell or buy, it's what the deal provides for your future. And we're back with more Cobb Life. All right, so you're so you're in Atlanta. You guys ended up you disbanded the cops and the Blitz, and then you transitioned to Van Gogh. Tell me a little bit about that, because that seemed like that was one that really you know really picked up from you guys. That really did. After Blitz, I've been playing loud music my whole life, and so at in about 1990, I really wanted to do something a little bit more mellow and a little bit more challenging. So it was something my brother and I did, and it was taking our influences of ELO and the Beatles, Paul McCartney and Wings, Badfinger, you know, those type of bands. Ended up doing that, and then we had a lot of success with that. And when uh, 
tour about 50,000 miles every summer. Oh, wow. Flying around. And it got really crazy. We got magazine covers and all that stuff. And then 9 11 happened. And right after that happened, I mean, like just days, we had to fly to San Francisco and we really didn't want to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, we were flying out there to do one song at an event, you know, a special appearance. And so we couldn't get out of it. So it frustrated me. And we spent the day, the next day, cruising in a yacht around Alcatraz. Oh, wow. Having <laughs> lunch. So people had us as their guests. And I remember it was there that I told the band, when we get back, I really want to take some time off. You know, I said, I just, everything had been crazy. Just, I needed some space. And that year off turned into 20 years. And I do a lot of other things. I do graphics and I, I do recording. I do, the main thing I was doing was video producing. So I would direct and edit videos. And so do commercials, TV shows and corporate stuff, whatever. And so I did that for 20 years because mm -hmm. I was doing lighting. And right before COVID hit, I went to see ELO with Jeff Lynn. And I never thought I'd ever be able to see that band. <laughs> and it was inspiring. And I just, I got so excited and it, it lit that fire for music again. And I'm like, man, I've, I got to make some more music. Now, during the 20 years I was away, I did not even listen to the radio or anything. Really? I did not listen to music. I just. You pretty much disconnected yourself from basically all of it. It was weird. You know, I, I, I can't explain why it just. I was doing other things and they mm -hmm. were creative too. So it was keeping my, it was keeping your mind, you know, yeah, on my other... creative thing going, of course. But I saw them and I thought, Oh, I got to make a new record. And so I got in touch with my brother and he wasn't really into it. And I, so you had to sell them pretty hard. Well, I'd say I, I started digging through old lyrics because over the years we've written a couple of hundred songs together. Oh, wow. And so I find old lyrics. And these are all songs that you guys never released, I'm assuming? But these were just lyrics. Oh, okay. So no, you nothing know, more so than that. I would, I would find the lyrics and you put them in the song. That way he was still connected to it. Gotcha, gotcha. And I started recording. And because of technology today, back in like 91, I couldn't play my guitar anymore because of the muscular dystrophy. Yeah, yeah. And I really, really love playing guitar, and I miss playing the guitar. But with technology now, it's gotten so good that the computer allows me to play real guitars. Yeah, yeah, the technology is crazy. You know, like, you, now, are you using, like, drum pad synthesizers, or what are, what are you using for these? For this? We've got, there are guitar samples. They record the guitars, and they record each individual string. And then I can, by using MIDI, I can put each note down to create what it is that I need. Man, uh, I use a thing, Ample Guitars is the one that I found. So I, I bought a Les Paul, mm -hmm. I bought an SG, and I bought a couple of basses. And so I can play everything myself all of a sudden. And so I can do the strings. And I invited anyone that had ever played on the Van Gogh album because we had done five before this, I invited anybody that had played on a Van Gogh album to come and play 
on this. So we had about 15 people or so that did guest spots, but I got to play on every tune. Uh, some of the songs, I played everything. And you can't tell that I'm not holding a guitar and playing, you know, and I can play the drums and everything. And it's not like these silly little bitty sounds like it used to be, you know? Yeah, yeah. Did that and put it out. I called it retro because it was kind of a throwback to the late 70s. I called it my disco album. Gotcha. (laughs) I got that out. It wasn't long after that that I got the mood to do something hard rock. Gotcha. Go back back to the earlier, you know, 80s type of thing. I wanted to work with people I'd never worked with before. And so the plan was to write two new songs and record two old cop songs. I ended up looking for people. I did a Facebook page, and I didn't have the band yet, so everybody wore gas masks. Oh, really? I called the band Atomic Freak. Okay. And so identities nobody knows. Okay. And, and you're I, and just to clarify, your role with Atomic Freak is the producer and the and a in the in the writer, correct? Yes. Okay. My brother and I write all the songs, and I produced it and got my hand into it. And my brother saw the Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And then he, he calls me on fire. I mean, he was just like freaking out over it, wanted to be a part of it. I, I didn't think that he would be into it, so I had never asked him. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, he can write the phone book and make it sound good. So <laughs> I always want his lyrics. <laughs> and so I, uh, we got together. Now, remember, we hadn't written a song together in 20 years. Wow. And we wrote... 13 songs, I think it was, in three weeks. For Atomic Freak? Wow. Yes. And now, the first album just came out with nine of the songs, and we have enough written and recorded for the next two albums. Oh, wow. So you guys have, you guys got a lot of material then. So we, I, I can't stop writing now, you know, every day. It's, it's something that always comes in your head, huh? Yeah. I hear every part. It's really strange because I I hear every part of it. So I lay it all down, and then the band learns it like I lay it down. It almost feels like I'm cloning myself and getting people. So when you mean by you're cloning it or writing it, you are putting it all together on the computer, and then you give it to the members, and they play it, or no? Is that it? Yes, they they replay the parts. Wow, that's that's pretty cool, man. And so uh, it I, it took me six months to find the perfect singer and lead guitar player and everybody that I just, what I imagined. The singer ended up being in Brazil. And so our singer is in Brazil. Lead guitar player is in Argentina. So and you, got, I, so you guys have them. members all over the place. So yeah. Brazil, Argentina, and... And here, you know, and a couple of us are, three of us are here in Cobb County. Okay. And so... Uh, so how many members is it actually total? Five. Five total? Two in yep. our, two in South America and three in Cobb. Pretty cool. It's just crazy. We'll be right back with more Cobb Life after the break. This is Leah McGrath, your Ingalls dietitian with a cooking tip. If you're planning on roasting meat or chicken or making a meatloaf, 
This is a great time to roast vegetables for your dinner as well. Cut up various vegetables like zucchini, squash, carrots, white or sweet potatoes. Toss them with a little bit of olive oil and seasoning, whatever seasoning you like, and roast them on a sheet pan for about 15 to 20 minutes. The last 15 to 20 minutes of your cooking time and enjoy them with your roasted meat dish for dinner. And we're back with more Cobb Life. Now, so when you guys record an album, do those guys in South, in Brazil and Argentina, do they fly up here or, or is this all uh, we can We can do everything remote. So via Zoom, I guess? Yep. The singer can go into the studio and I can produce him from here. And I send him, the way it usually goes is I get the idea, I, I write all the music and then I do a melody line of just Da 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 da, you know, because there's no words. So it's like, uh, da 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 da. And I sent it to my brother. And sometimes I'll have an idea of this is the title or this is what it'll be about. And he writes the lyrics to my to your melody number, number of syllables and melody. And then that's how we do the songs. And we've done it every way. We just had a call about possibly doing a song for a movie. Okay. And so can you share uh, the name of the movie or no not yet not yet i don't okay. want to publicize them if they don't use us <laughs> yeah <laughs> we wrote the song the next day okay you know whether or not they'll use it because we have certain stipulations yeah yeah uh, but we've been completely shocked i mean this is something we did sitting at home and it's worldwide the album came out two weeks ago and we're closing in on 5,000 monthly listeners on Spotify already. You were telling me, you know, via text message and even before we turn the mics on that, you've been doing interviews all over the world, Ireland, Scotland, Australia, <laughs> man. It's It's been crazy. I mean, it's the Atomic Freak music is very ACDC, early, old school. I like just straightforward, heavy yeah, yeah. Heavy guitars. I like the big chords. Like, music, right? Yeah, yeah. I like the big chords with Judas Priest. I like Bon Scott's storytelling, you know, and, and energy. And I like Angus Young's mm -hmm. guitar playing, you know. So we do it. We say, you know, it's just plug in and play. There's no effects. There's no pedals on the guitars. It's You plug into the amp and you just raw play it. And it rocks. I mean, it it's... It's the best thing we've ever done. Wow. And it's been a complete shock to us, the the reaction just in two weeks. It's hard for us to keep up with because we have no manager. Mm -hmm. We have no publisher. We have no PR person. Mm -hmm. You can't afford all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, so. well, it's like you said, you know, you just literally launched an album less than a month ago and... You know, you weren't really sure, even according to you, you were saying you weren't sure what the reception was going to be. It's shocking. It's like we try our whole life to get our stuff out there, you know, and then the one time you do it, then it's just like, hey, we're just going to make this thing in my head. and it, it turns into this. It's just been really it's been overwhelming because yeah. trying to figure sometimes out sometimes the, the craziest things or the best things in life happen when you least expect it. Right. It's like looking for a girlfriend. If you look for a girlfriend, you can't find her. But yeah, the minute the minute you say you don't want one, you fall in love. True, yeah, true story. Yes. <laughs> very true. So, very true. 
Um, so we're staying busy. We I still sing a little bit, but I have to use like a BiPAP type of thing to be able to get a deep enough breath to sing. Okay. Because of the muscular dystrophy. Gotcha. And gotcha. my brother can't sing anymore. Oh, he, oh no. Uh, you know, it gets frustrating because we can use our hands better. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that. You know, and he really loves holding a pen to write lyrics. So and now it's all on the computer and has to kind of speak it. You know, it never understands what you're trying to say. Yeah, yeah, the text-to-speech, yeah, whether yep. it's on the phone or whatever, those yep. say, they can but, be a little wonky at times, so I can share that's definitely very frustrating. But it's in us, and we want to get it out, you know, and it's like, none of those are excuses. Yeah, you yeah, know, well, I, I it, you know, I like, you know, I said, even though, you know, you might not be able to use your hands, but at least, you know, like with how you mentioned earlier with the technology being so awesome that you guys are now able to get your creative or have an outlet or way to you know voice your creativity right very much it's uh i can't imagine now of us not doing it for 20 years because we would have been a whole lot younger <laughs> you know but well you know maybe well, looking back on it man it might have been sounds like it might have been the best thing maybe you needed those 20 years or whatever it is to, you know, recharge the batteries and find your inspiration again. Yeah. It's, it's been like magic, you know, it, mm -hmm. I, I can't explain it. Just really, it just happened, you know, and we're kind of doing everything ourselves, you know, from the videos to whatever, but yeah, thank goodness it, I've got, a, I've got a background and all that stuff. Well, so that's, yeah, sense. that's what I was saying. You know, as I was looking, you, you know, your bio and all that, uh, you have a company, that you call you basically it basically assumed your old band name van gogh and it seems like you know you you do video underneath it you yeah. know stage setups lighting so it's you know it sounds like you got your hands in a little bit of everything man i did a lot of covid kind of messed everything up and during COVID, when i was making the van gogh album i my wheelchair malfunctioned threw me into the street Jeez. and i broke my shoulder a rib and my hip Oh man! And so my dog died. I, all this stuff happened while I was making that album, but it's like, still a pretty happy album. You're so. talk. You're talking about the Atomic Freak album. No, the Van Gogh. Oh, the, the Van Gogh. Okay, retro, okay. Yeah. Do you you don't you have no plans or you're not recording anything else with Van Gogh or no? Ricky and I talked about it because he said he was thinking about it too. You know, uh -huh. we we might do a couple of songs just to keep throwing some songs. Yeah, yeah. That way, and I guess we could push it as new again now that there's the internet that we didn't have before mm -hmm. when we did Van Gogh. So, you know, we could try to get all the stuff. It's Most of it's on Spotify mm -hmm. or all the other platforms. And now are, are all the the band members from Van Gogh, are they all in Atlanta? Or are they yes, scattered? Yes, they're all here. Oh, okay. So it would be, uh, from that standpoint, relatively right. easy to get the band back together and start but, letting it rip. Well, the thing with Van Gogh is every album had a different lineup of the musicians. It was a weird thing I was into at the time of mm -hmm. the disabilities, not the important thing. I just happens to be a slight little road bump, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I never wanted people to think that a band let us be in their band. Yeah. Oh, you know, pat me on the head. Isn't that great? No, no, you wanted it to be because I'm good at what I do. Yep. And so I thought, well, if we have a different lineups, then people know that what's coming from me and Ricky. And 
it worked out, you know, and it gave each album a little bit of different flavor. And one of the guys for one album was in a wheelchair and was the drummer. Uh, the drummer and, uh, was in a wheelchair uh, also? Scott, Scott Robertson, he in a chair, he had gotten shot and uh, ended up in a chair. Jeez. I think it was New York somewhere. And he uh, played drums, you know, and he got me into sampling and stuff like that. And now he's the one that mixed the new album. Wow. So he's the only person that is part of this that I've worked with before. Gotcha, gotcha. And, uh, it's just, it's been a lot of fun. You know, we're yeah. uh, a yeah. lot of the audience is overseas, you know, at least 50, 60%. So yeah, we're, yeah. we can't figure out how to get merchandise to them. Yeah. You know, and fulfilling orders over there without spending, you know, they don't want to pay more for shipping than the product. Of course, absolutely. And uh, so now tell me a little bit about, you know, you, I guess future plans for Atomic Freak. Do you guys have any plans to I, release the identity of the band members and tour? Or uh, what, what's in the cards? Yeah. Eventually. I mean, the plan was four songs as a studio EP. And so I, we never thought about this other stuff. So we're only now having to think about what are we going to do? We would put the band together here in Atlanta, ultimately, and then fly the singer from Brazil here, do some rehearsals and do some shows. That'd be the easiest way of doing it, you know, because I know we're going to get invited to some festivals in other countries. Okay, so you guys already, ha not yet, but you're anticipating some invitations to different music festivals. Yes, if you heard the reactions people have had to this, uh, I couldn't pay for bigger reactions. You know, it's it's all been organic, basically. Is sounds what I'm hearing. It's yeah, it, like I said, I can't explain it. it it's the strangest eh. thing. You know, we've we've so, wanted it our whole lives. The only goal we haven't achieved, other than making a dollar, <laughs> we're musicians, right? Yeah. Stripper girlfriends can't pay for our stuff anymore. Oh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that was the joke back when we were young. <laughs> uh, that's how musicians survive, you know. Their girlfriends. <laughs> so we uh we ended up, or the thing we haven't done is make a a, a vinyl record, an album. Oh, okay, yeah, and that Ricky is that, and I, is that something that's on the bucket list? Yeah, that's the that's the only thing that me and Ricky haven't. And now would would that be something you would do with Atomic Freak or do are you, do you think that would be a whole other project? I think Atomic Freak would be perfect for an album just because it's as a matter of fact, when I wrote the songs, I made sure they were less than forty minutes so they would fit on an album. Oh, okay. So usually our out usually our albums have ten or twelve songs on it. Gotcha. And this one got nine gotcha gotcha so you've already you already had that in the back of your mind going into this yep it was uh. a wish it was a wish <laughs> albums aren't cheap you know we're maybe soon we'll find a sponsor or somebody that you know because everybody streams so you really don't have to have them but a handful of cds and handful of albums mm -hmm. definitely need to be gotten out and then especially if we play live unfortunately i don't really plan on traveling, so the band would have to go without me. Gotcha, and, gotcha. Uh, you know, I hate hate missing that, but trying to fly and get wheelchairs around and stuff yeah, it'd is, just be too much, right? It's such a headache, you know. And, mm -hmm. uh, unless something in the states, you know, if it got big enough and I had a tour bus, 
with a wheelchair lift on it. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'd be able to go and handle some things, but uh, I could still handle the business and all that kind of stuff and act as the the, the manager. manager. All right, Robbie. Well, uh, I really appreciate you coming on and chatting with me, man. This has been uh, been awesome, man. And again, I've I've listened to Atomic Freak. I've listened to it on Spotify. I watched the two music videos that you sent me, which I'll include in the episode description. And uh, I was uh, really impressed. I enjoyed it, man. I enjoyed it too. I appreciate it. All right, all man. right here in Cobb County. Can you it, believe it? Exactly. All of Cobb County. That's 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 what's even cooler, man. That's it. Well, everybody go to Spotify or your favorite platform and check out Atomic Freak. And you can hear the Vanco Retro album at Go Retro, G O G H, like Van Gogh. Go Retro.com. You can hear the Atomic Freak Music.com. Check it out and hope you enjoy it. But uh-huh. we're not responsible if it makes you speed. <laughs> All right, Rob. Again, I appreciate you coming on, man. This has been awesome, man. Thank you very much. Are you a passionate educator ready to ignite minds and shape futures? Then say yes to GCPS and join us at the Teacher Job Fair. Mark your calendars for Saturday, February 10th from 8 a.m. to noon at the Gas South Convention Center. It's your chance to connect with leaders from Gwinnett County Public Schools, the largest school district in Georgia, and recognized as a top employer by Forbes magazine. Whether you're kickstarting your career or seeking a change, your next chapter starts here. Say yes to GCPS, where passion meets opportunity. And we're back with more Cobb Life. And I'm thrilled to welcome Joshua Troer, the Education Program Coordinator at the Southern Museum of Civil War and Locomotive History. Joshua is here to share some exciting news about their most popular event of the year, Trains, Trains, and Trains. The event is scheduled for this weekend, and it seems like it's going to be bigger than ever before. Joshua, welcome to Cobb Life. I'm delighted to have you with me. How are you? Hi, pretty good. Thanks for having me. Let's get into this event this weekend. Tell me a little bit about it. What What is going on Saturday and Sunday? Well, it's a celebration of model railroading. We'll have 20 model train layouts set up all through the museum. Uh, We have a few train layouts that are set up by staff here, and we also have several visiting model train clubs. The Mm -hmm. train layouts will be in various sizes. They'll have full scenery. You'll see the the little figures on them. Uh, Some of the train layouts are actually interactive. Uh, So kids of all ages, three years old, on up to 80 or 90, no problem, can come to the museum, press a button, make the coal dump car, unload coal, all kinds of fun things. Oh, wow. That sounds pretty entertaining. And uh, how many people is the museum expecting? And, you know, where they, where can they get tickets? How much is it? This is our biggest event. So we're definitely expecting uh, in the thousands. Uh, you can get tickets on our website at southernmuseum.org. Or if you come to our ticket booth, uh, those two days, uh, 930 a.m. to 5 o'clock uh-huh. is when the event runs. And what would you say is the... The marquee item on display for the event. What should visitors uh, be on the lookout there that is a must-see? Well, I am a model railroader myself, and I'm working on the museum's interactive train layouts. They sit very low mm-hmm. so kids can get right up to it and have fun running a model railroad empire themselves. Uh, they'll spend up to almost an hour just in front of it as their parents wait and watch them. Really? Oh, so they can actually ride it. Oh, they, well, they can run it. They can operate oh, the trains. Ru- oper- model, oh, it's a model operate. train layout. Yep. Oh, okay. How big are these typically? I'm just curious. Like, what's the... Uh, the dimensions of some of the train layouts you'll see are 12 by 24 feet, 12 mm-hmm. by 30 feet, 6 by 16 feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, lot, the, a lot of the visiting layouts, they're modular. 
So mm -hmm. club members can work on their own module and a, mo a different module can uh, could represent a different town, mm -hmm. a different city, mm -hmm. farmland, wherever they like it. And then they can bring it together. If you don't have space to set up a big layout, you don't have a basement, you mm -hmm. come to events like this and you put all the modules together into a big model railroad. And how many are you anticipating to have on display? We will have 20 train layouts. Uh, we have clubs coming from Alabama, Kentucky, and Tennessee. Uh, this is a major oh, wow. model railroading event on the train enthusiast calendar in the southeastern United States. And does the museum put a display together themselves, or is it just for... We uh, will have three train layouts running. Uh, two of them will be interactive. Two of, And um, do you put those together, or who else puts those together? I, I am the uh, one of the one of the model train guys here. Also, our director, uh, uh, Dr. Richard Bantz, is also a model railroader. And okay. so we, we work together on them. Gotcha. Gotcha. And before I shift into the overall museum, I'm just curious, how how did you take an interest to this? So my dad is a model railroader. He got Lionel trains when he was a kid in 1965. Uh, Lionel trains is still in business. Uh, they've been making trains for 125 years, so he passed that passion down to me. Very cool. So this goes back in the family. That's that's pretty. Oh, yes. That's awesome. Now let's shift into the overall uh, museum that is open. Is it seven days a week or five days a week? Or how we're open Tuesdays through Saturdays at 9:30 to five. Tuesdays to Saturday. Okay. Can you give me a little bit of a history of the museum for some people that might not be familiar with it when it first opened? Um, I'm even aware that it had a, a different name uh, when it first opened, right? We opened uh, 1972 in downtown Kennesaw. It was first called the Big Shanty Museum, now the Southern Museum of Civil War and Locomotive History. Okay. For some of us who might not know the full details of the Great Locomotive Chase, could you share some details about that? So our largest artifact is the General uh, Steam Locomotive that was built in 1855, and that was running on the line between Atlanta and Chattanooga during the Civil War. Uh, Union soldiers snuck into Georgia in 1862. They actually hijacked the train here in Kennesaw when the town was called Big Shanty, and then the they took the train north towards Chattanooga. They left the passenger cars and the passengers back here, and their plan was to sabotage as much track as possible, burn bridges. So the line couldn't be used for the Confederacy. So it was a secret mission. Uh, many of the men that went on the mission, they were led by a man named James J. Andrews, so they're called the Andrews Raiders, would be the first to receive the Medal of Honor. That's uh, that's pretty cool. A uh, little tidbit of that, that first Medal uh, Medal Award Honors. I believe, wasn't there a movie made about this as all its uh, older movie, there, correct? There's actually been two. Uh, there's two? the uh, Buster Keaton silent film. uh, uh -huh. General in the 1920s, and then the uh, Disney movie, The Great Locomotive Chase from 1956. Yeah. Gotcha. It's called The Great Locomotive Chase because the train's conductor, William Fuller, mm -hmm. chased after the train, and he commandeered three different steam locomotives along the way uh, and finally caught up to them at Ringgold, Georgia, up near the Georgia-Tennessee border. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, what would you say some of the other um, marquee attractions are at the museum? As you walk into the museum, uh, you actually will see our second largest artifact. We have a Southern Railway caboose. Okay. Uh, the caboose is the car that would always be at the rear of freight trains. They've largely been phased out to where the conductor would ride. We're actually raising funds to restore it. We're halfway through. Uh, when it's finished, it will be a great educational tool. We'll invite school groups and visitors to the museum on board so they can learn about the role of the railroads in driving the economy of Georgia. A hundred dollar donations actually will get you a special commemorative coin uh, okay. with the caboose on it. 
And as the museum has, you know, been open for years and years, you shift it not only to just a locomotive museum, more of like a Civil War museum, correct? Oh, oh yes. Uh, we 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 have a lot of ex several exhibit cases on the role of the Civil War in Georgia and the role of the Civil War in the railroads because uh, the Civil War was the first railroad war, the first time so many men and materials were moved by rail in wartime. I'm actually a living historian as well, and I often do a musketry demonstrations here at the museum, and you'll see me dressed up in my uh, Civil War garb okay. and demonstrating muskets for people. Oh, uh, we also talk a lot about the industrialization in the South after the Civil War. We have an exhibit related to the Glover Machine Works, which was a steam locomotive factory in Marietta, Georgia. And they made steam locomotives from around 1900 to 1930. We have a lot of the original tools and machines they use, including we also have a, a Glover steam locomotive inside the museum. Okay. And it looks like you guys have a lot of like archival documents that people can research and view or whatever. How long has yeah. the museum been, you know, collecting these documents? Tell, tell me a little bit about that. Oh, yes. We have a very nice archive. Of, we collect documents related to the Civil War, related to railroad history, and people can actually pay us a, a small archival fee and do research at the museum. Okay, very cool. Very cool. All right. So before we sign off, do you have a particular piece that you're fond of at the museum, a favorite, or, or are they all kind of your favorite? Well, as a train and a Civil War guy, I mean, that that's tough. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, another artifact we have, we actually have a French boxcar uh, that okay. was a gift to Georgia uh, uh -huh. after World War II. France sent these boxcars to the various states in the Union, and we have Georgia's. It was a thank you for all the help the United States gave them. I'm very fond of that car because actually we have ancestors who served in both world wars and the civil war as well. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. That's yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty awesome. That, that uh, box car is in our education center where we actually have preschool classes uh, every Thursday, our mommy and me program. Oh, so you do a class in there and what, what is that class about? We have uh, story times, uh, 9.30 to 12.30. We do the story times at 10, 11, and 12. Mm -hmm. uh, we also have ongoing crafts during that time. Okay, and uh, story time is just history, things about the museum, or what about what? Yeah, yes, the, yeah. the topics for our mommy and me class it, it change changes as we go through the year. It'd be related to winter, be related to different uh, months such as African American History Month, a Women's History Month, a Halloween. Okay, so you you cover a lot a lot of topics in there. All right, that's pretty cool. Oh, yes. All right, now and before we sign off. Where can people uh, go look up information on the on the website? How can they buy tickets? Southernmuseum.org. You will see a link there to uh, buy tickets for trains, 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 and we'd love to see you. When it comes to solving complex foundation repair challenges, there's only one name you need to know. Engineered Solutions of Georgia, Atlanta's only foundation repair company with licensed engineers on staff. From foundation repair to waterproofing and drainage solutions, we've got you covered. We work with both residential and commercial clients, and we're committed to providing exceptional customer service every step of the way. And with our state-of-the-art equipment and top quality materials, you can be confident that your project will be completed to the highest standards. So why settle for less when you can have the best? Call Engineered Solutions of Georgia today to schedule your free consultation and see how we can help you tackle any foundation repair or waterproofing challenges. Engineered Solutions of Georgia, we guarantee a staple dry foundation, residential and 
That concludes another episode of Cobb Life. A big thanks to our show sponsor, Credit Union of Georgia, for their unwavering support in making this show possible. Also a big thanks to our guest, the creative entrepreneur from Smyrna, Robbie Heisner. His inspiring story has undoubtedly left an impression. We also thank Joshua Trower from the Southern Museum of Locomotive History for his time. As we sign off, stay tuned for more episodes of Cobb Life. So I'm your host, Keith Ippolito, proudly representing the BG Ad Group. From all of us here at Cobb Life, have a wonderful Sunday. Thanks for listening to the Cobb Life Sunday Podcast. Be sure to listen all week long for local news from the Marietta Daily Journal. This podcast is a production of BG Ad Group. Please like, follow, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.